Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in. This is E2 Entrepreneurs Exposed. Hope you are healthy and sane wherever you are. We are sharing certain businesses on this podcast whose mission revolves around providing value in the wake of COVID-19, one of which is Mortar and Pestle, a Toronto-based pharmacy changing the game. Completely focused on patient care, the company's fully digital platform allows you to refill, transfer, or get a new prescription remotely without having to leave your home. Forget lineups, wait times, and the overall hassle of actually going to your pharmacy. Stay safe and get your prescription delivered directly to you for free. To get started, go to mortarpestle.ca. That's M-O-R-T-A-R-P-E-S-T-L-E.ca. We continue our series today in conversation with business leaders who are navigating the pandemic. My guest is Marc-Antoine Bovet co-founder of the budding online breakfast player Oatbox. Oatbox is focused on delivering healthy breakfast cereal products to consumers all over North America, and they deliver direct to subscriber doors on a monthly basis. Last year, the company secured major retail deals and is now distributed in hundreds of retail locations. And surprise, surprise, things have changed in this crazy new world. In this episode, we are going to be discussing Oatbox's huge demand crunch how team culture has improved despite working remotely, the challenge of trying to hire when you're deemed an essential business, trends in the food sector, pre and post pandemic, and much more. And with that, let's get to the show. We got to talk about your business, Oatbox, and how COVID and this pandemic has, has impacted your business. How has the last six weeks been for you guys? It's been it's been crazy. It's been crazy in a bunch of different ways. Like I'm I'm a very positive person in life generally, so I always tend to find uh, and look for the the positive in any situation. And even though this is absolutely terrible, what's happening from many perspectives, I think. There's there's so much good that's going to come out of it. Just generally, like as an entrepreneur, like you always have this little hamster in your head that never stops spinning, right? You feed off all these ideas and constant questioning to create like these different opportunities and tackle the next challenges. And I've always been saying for the past, I don't know, four or five years, I remember telling some of my friends, 
like I wish I could just pause the world and take like a month mm. or two to just re- reflect on what's going on and why are we doing this? Cause it's a never, like you're, you're just like chasing your, your evolving vision, right? It, it never stops. And it's funny cause I really remember saying that a bunch of times, like, why can't we, like, I wish I could just pause this. And it's literally like what's happening right now. Like the, the, the world has almost stopped and you don't have that uh, fear of missing out. You can set back and take this opportunity to, reflect on the way you're managing your business model uh like you really i think it's a like once in a lifetime opportunity for entrepreneurs to to change and evolve i have got two questions for you related to your comments one is how have you used this time to reset and evolve and and two i would imagine when you were thinking about a pause you didn't necessarily make the assumption that your demand would pick up uh, as aggressively as I assume it has. So how do you square those two things? The pause thing is you ask yourself, like, why, why am I even doing this? You just get on to this, uh, on to this journey that constantly evolves and you started it for a reason. And sometimes like a year or two after you're like at a whole different spot and yeah, you just ask yourself, like, why am I actually doing this? And that's, that's what I mean by taking the time to reflect on it. And an example uh, that is, I think, very accurate right now is like businesses had had to change their their marketing narrative overnight, right? You, I, I'm sure you saw it too, but you would see like ads on TV for like a pickup truck that just completely don't make sense anymore. If you are going to change your marketing narrative, it needs to make sense. And I think that the brands just need to show that they're making a difference socially to improve our our world during this time. And I think that the the consumer after that is going to change the way they're spending their money, not just during the times uh, of COVID to support like local businesses and all, but I think it's just going to transform the way that that the customers are actually going to be spending their money. So to us at Oatbox, yes, we already support the Breakfast Club of Canada. We've been doing it from the beginning. Like what's our actual social impact? Like I, it was a good time to reflect on that. And to not just be opportunistic with this whole situation, but to think deeper. So what it came down to is that I I was thinking of or considering becoming a B corporation. It was something that I started uh, looking into in the past 12 months. And right now, it just got me downloading books and reading about it and thinking like, why? Like, I think there's no better time for, for a company to make that switch and become a B corporation. Yeah, so that's one of the examples that you go from a change in your marketing narrative to a bigger question uh, to actually making a decision and and transforming the way your business is going to operate. Another part where I think that we're like just in the past six weeks that I've seen a big change is our company culture. Like the, the most important asset that I have is my team. And I thought I knew that before COVID, but I realized that I that I didn't. Uh, I took a lot of things for granted, and I think I will come out of this as a as a better and stronger leader. Even though we were sitting all in the same room and in open space, like communication wasn't that present. And now that we are f- like further apart, 
I, I feel like amid the distance, the, the team is a lot closer than it's ever been. And without everybody coming together as they have right now, there would be no Outbox. And the company culture that we will have coming out of this, just, just the things that we put in place during COVID, for instance, like we, we have breakfast every Monday, the whole team together at 8.30 in the morning. We, that's, that's how we start off the week uh, on Zoom. And super awkward, <laughs> the, first, the first breakfast, like everybody's like, okay, what are we doing? We just got up. Uh, like you have a coffee. What, what, are we, what are we talking about? But now like everybody's actually looking forward to it. And it just, it's, it's something that we would not do as efficiently when we were all together that we are doing right now. And that is now part of our company culture. Uh, on Thursdays, we have a little uh, five to seven where we like one team member every week comes out with a new game that we will be playing. So whether like we went from trivia to bingo to categories to, I don't know. And it just, it stimulates some creativity, some conversations that we wouldn't have otherwise. And no, so and Fridays, we, we set up a virtual training. So we hired a, a coach and we have a, just to get the whole team moving. So we end the week with a training and everybody participates Again, something that you would like to think that you are putting in place in the normal world. But I think that those are things that are going to stick with us that have been made possible because of, uh, of COVID and the fact that we had to move to keep everybody engaged. Could you describe the physical setup of your office and your operations? And where are the pick, pack and ship operations related to your breakfasts? So our offices are, are separated from from our, our production facility. Mm -hmm. We have uh, the office obviously right now is closed, but we have an open space office um, downtown Montreal to be able to acquire the best, the best talent uh, that we can. And then our production facility uh, right now is running more than full speed. So one of the challenges that we have is, is, is hiring. We, we are looking for people and, it, and it's tough it's tough to get uh, some workers, and I think many many uh, companies are facing the same issue right now. But uh, with the increase in in sales, just supporting that that, that demand, fulfilling the the orders is is uh, quite a challenge. Given this environment that we're in, I assume it's tough because people are concerned about their safety and their yeah. well being. You know, in many cases, they've been mandated to stay at home. How do you navigate all of that? And are you incenting talent in different ways in order to keep up? Yeah. So number one, number one priority was making sure that everybody felt safe. So uh, as, as the new like government uh, measures were, were put in place, we needed to adapt quickly because we were an, an essential service. We needed to stay open and we needed all our team to, to, feel, to feel safe. So we reached out to other entrepreneurs, uh, created a little group of uh, different businesses that were in the same sector and checked out what they were doing uh, to get their team to feel safe. Um, so we started taking the temperature every morning, requiring the staff to let us know if they were not feeling well. Hold on. So, so you're taking the temperature of all of your employees on a daily basis? Yeah. So everything, the first thing they do when they check, when they get to the production facility is it's a non-touch thermometer and uh, we'll just scan 
their skin and we know that the their skin temperature is fine and if they're over i think it's 38 degrees then they will be asked to to be sent home hmm. is this a piece of technology that's being used let's call it widespread in the province of Quebec as it relates to essential businesses um i mean it happened to, the, the idea came to me when uh, i went to the pharmacy and uh, i i was asked to they they asked me to take my temperature before going in, uh, so I was like, okay, if they're doing it there, then I should probably do it, be doing it at the at our factory. Okay, what else? Cafeteria, not more than two people taking breaks or eating at the same time. Um, prep, uh, just the prep stations um, inside our factory. Everything was moved around uh, so that we could respect social distancing. It's just different ways so that their peers and their colleagues felt more comfortable knowing that everybody was following the rules again, like all, all, all the stuff that we all know. So washing your hands. So the mandatory wash of hands every, uh, every hour for the whole, for the whole team uh, and stuff like that. This episode is brought to you by Shopify, whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news... Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Given the stimulus that has come out in this country and some of the response benefits that might be available to these employees. Have they asked for an increase in salary? No, they have not. I actually asked around, and I don't think it would make a very big difference at this point. I think companies that are paying well above minimum wage are experiencing the same issues and having their staff not come in unless you're doubling salary would really make that much of a difference right now. Yeah, that's our general point of view. I think we it's it's getting them to feel more comfortable. We like little stuff like we're offering them breakfast, sending them like more products to take home uh and and just honestly like I think people want to get out of their homes and a lot of people still appreciate the fact that they are able to do something during the day and keep their work. So as long as they feel safe, it's an escape from from the routine of of doing uh, being stuck inside at home. So I think s- some some of our staff that that stayed really appreciate that. So let's talk about the actual numbers here. Is there anything that you could share on? know, revenue numbers, number of subscribers, even number of daily shipments that were going out, say, first week of March versus where things are at right now? Yeah, so there's a, there's a few things. So we have a few different business lines. One, I'm not in 
an order of importance, but one of the like one that was very much affected. So we have a B two B service where we provide breakfasts for uh, enterprises, so businesses uh, across Canada. Uh, and since all the offices were shut down uh, overnight, pretty much, uh, we lost all that business. So um, one of the ways that we reacted to this was we emailed all the CEOs and asked if they wanted to continue supporting their staff if they were still working from home and send the uh, oat box boxes directly to home. So we got a good response, not all of them. I mean, some entrepreneurs were in very tough situations, but others uh, really uh, took advantage of it. So started sending some some boxes with uh, words of encouragement from the from the management inside the box. And that was a way for us to recoup the lost sales um, from our B2B sector. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of subscriptions, uh, I think the the message from the prime minister of Quebec was really well uh, of of buying local was was heard by the population. It's absolutely crazy what happened. People that were uh, old subscribers resubscribed. Um, we got a bunch of new a uh, bunch of new subscribers. Pretty much doubled the net amount of subscribers per week that was coming in. Uh, so that was very encouraging. In terms of retail sales, uh, we saw a big peak when people were batching, uh, and then it slowed down a little bit after that and came back uh, came back to normal. Mm-hmm. How do you forecast in you know over the next say month or quarter or year? Are you looking out that far ahead, or are you just trying to keep up with the current demand? We were forced to review our, our projections, our product launches. Uh, it, it impacted everything. There's no, there's no, like, there's no way to know exactly where we're going to be in, in six months, but we're doing our best to adapt the projections and to be able to fulfill the demand. But for the for the past three weeks, like we've been running overtime, and we're just trying to, to fulfill the orders as much as we can, so that our customers can get them in a timely manner. And so far, have you seen customer satisfaction go up or down, or has it remained the same? Uh, we're getting a lot of words of encouragement, uh, even though, like, if it wasn't with the delays that we are experiencing right now, one, like, a portion of this is due to the demand and us not be able, able not being able to produce enough. And there's also, on top of that, the delays in the shipping services. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the Canada Post and UPS of this world. Uh, had this happened in a normal situation, uh, we would have gotten many complaints. I think just the con- the consumers in general uh, are very understanding right now, and we're getting words of encouragement. And customer satisfaction is very high. We are practically not getting any complaints, even though the delivery service is not as uh, efficient as it normally is. And typically, you offer free shipping all across North America. And obviously, we're all keeping a close eye on what's happening in the U.S. How has that market behaved vis-a-vis your business? And how do you keep up with demand south of the border, given these shipping delays that you're talking about? Right now, we are not targeting the U.S. as much. Uh, We're targeting local. That's just our 
our own strategy. So it hasn't really changed much in that sense in the U.S. Let me ask you about the plan in Quebec to reopen the economy. So it, it seems like Quebec's plan is more audacious than other provinces. How do you square all of this with the possible risks of moving too aggressively? And is that something that you're even thinking about, given you're so knee deep in the business? Mm. That's a that's a very interesting question. I think there's I think they will adapt. They'll, they'll see how it goes. They're not they they don't know for a fact that it's going to be the the right way to go. I think they'll open slowly, see how it goes with the number of cases, with the uh, impact that it has on our on the hospitals, on the long term uh, CHSLDs that we call them here in Quebec. And I think it's I think it's going to be like that for the next few months, to be honest, like if if it, the impact is is ne- like we, we see a negative impact, they're going to tighten up the measures. And if it's if it's not as, as bad, I think businesses are going to we're going to need to stimulate the, the, the economy to reopen and to um, and to keep going. Do you see Opox as a meal kit player or do you view yourself as a different part of the food sector. And when I talk, when I say meal kits, I'm referring to names like Blue Apron, HelloFresh, Good Food, if, if you're here in Canada or specifically in Quebec. Um, where do you position yourself and who do you view as the competition? Yeah, so no, we're, we're, we're not a meal kit at all. Uh, let's make that clear. We are a, a digital first breakfast brand focused on creating innovative products around organic oats. So and we we use the subscription model as our way to be to introduce our products to the market but the goal is really to become this premium brand in the breakfast sector and to have our our products like yes available on the web through our our direct to consumer channel but uh, also in all the other channels like retail airplanes uh, food service and all of that i mean meal kits I've had my opinion on them for a while, and I think this, the COVID situation right now is, is, is amazing for them. I think there is a very positive thing about meal kits where some consumers, when they try it, they adopt it and it changes the way they consume food. And I think a lot of the population has been, how can I say this, like, uh, hasn't necessarily wanted to to give it a shot and to try it and from what i'm hearing from from companies uh around us that are in in that sector they are doing very well right now uh consumers are trying it and are giving it a shot and i think it's going to change their habits yeah adoption has gone up um but to your point i think this pandemic has given that industry a bit of a lifeline because prior to COVID, I mean, there were other challenges with respect to increasing customer acquisition costs on platforms like Facebook, where they typically market. Um, you had poor customer retention or lifetime value on the back end uh, and lots of churn. Yet, since I want to say March 13th, if you look at the stock prices of any of these companies, uh, some are still private, but if you look at some of the bigger names that are public, the numbers are uh, staggering. What other trends are you seeing? in the food sector and what do you think is taking shape uh, what are you predicting I, I should ask what are you predicting that will stick long term as the as the economy reopens um i think consuming local is going to be like it was already important but it's going to be more important than ever 
we are seeing it big time. I think, yeah, like I said earlier, consumers are going to be way more careful with the way that they spend their money and consuming local products and knowing where the product comes from, where the ingredients come from, traceability. Uh, again, it's all stuff that we've been hearing for a while, but it's going to be, I think that 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 shift is going to happen faster because of the COVID situation. I think what's going to be interesting to follow is the reopening of bars and restaurants and how they will be able to get through this. I think they are the ones that are the most impacted. We've seen here, and I'm pretty sure all over Canada, restaurants are trying to adapt, focusing more on takeout and trying to sell uh, some of their, their private wines and sourcing the ingredients directly and shipping them to to consumers. But I don't think that's going to be enough. Uh, it's going to be very hard for restaurants to to reinvent their business models. Not all of them are going to be able to do so. And I don't see how we are going to be going back to the normal lifestyle that we had uh, within the next uh, 18 months. So that's going to be something that's going to be uh, interesting to follow. As a breakfast player, have you seen anything change in a material way from your customer base, given that we're all sort of working from home and not rushing off on our morning commute? We saw a big increase in the average basket. People are consuming more. Is that going to change their habits afterwards? I actually don't know. Are people going to work from home as the uh, work-life balance uh, in the new post-COVID era going to change? And in, and uh, businesses are going to encourage the uh, people to work from home a little more. If so, that might uh, have an, a positive impact uh, for us. If not, I think just from a product R&D perspective, yes, consumers are asking for more products. There's some uh, product innovation that we've had in the pipeline for a while uh, that we are fast tracking right now. It's it's the it's the best time to to come out with new stuff and to reinvent and to reinvent their business model. What about in terms of the organic sector? So let's make the assumption that we're going to be entering into a long-term recession, say, you know, year or two years. When you think about how people's spending habits might change and might be impacted, do you think that people pull back on their spend as it relates to organics as a category? I actually thought about that a little bit recently. And I think so. If, if, if we find, if we, dig into a deep recession and what you're trying to do is survive. I don't think organic is going to be that important anymore. Protein bars, uh, healthy snack bars. I mean, this is a huge subcategory and, and many of these folks were positioning themselves to be swallowed up by some of the bigger players. I, I think of RX bar that comes to mind um, and they were acquired yeah. by, by Kellogg's, by Kellogg's so 600 million or something like that. Um, yeah. How do you feel like that sector changes strategy? And are you specifically changing yours as it relates to a long-term exit? It, it's, it's tough. I don't know how it's going to play out. Being an entrepreneur is you're, you're gambling. Uh, so if we were playing blackjack right now, it, I feel like it's time to double down. Uh, we have some stuff that we've been working on uh, for a while now where we're going to be putting more more money towards training of staff, towards uh, the development of our new uh, R&D platform called the Oatbox Lab. I think there's no better time for a business model to evolve. So right now it's like our, our, our doubling down on our foundation, 
and our business principles and coming out of this whole situation stronger than when we came in. And we'll have to reassess after that what it means in terms of uh, a potential exit. So in 2017, Oatbox raised, I think it was one and a half million in seed funding. How do you think about the funding landscape now? And as you grow, there's certainly going to be financial pressure on the business to have the appropriate capital structure to support that growth. Are you thinking about a big Series A? Uh, so we, that's something that we looked into about a year ago. Um, we decided not to go through with it. We raised a little more capital at a very good time, if you think about it, with everything that just happened right now. So from a financial perspective, like the timing was good and we're, we're fortunate enough to be able to get through this period with sufficient funds. But to, to me right now, like I said, it's doubling down, taking advantage of this situation to be in a better position when COVID is, when we're past, past COVID. And after that, yes, we will uh, most definitely have to, to raise a Series A. Well, I think you're well positioned. It's been a great story so far, and I wish you the best of luck as you move forward beyond this. And hopefully there is more growth ahead. So congrats. Thank you, Adam. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Electrocast. Electric acid.